Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I moved to North Carolina, Joe. I stand by that. It's a good joke. Ha! See you Monday. <laughs> My anxiety's out of control. I'm sweating like a sneeze stuck in a thick bitch right now. <laughs> Ain't that a booster? Three, two, one. Welcome back to Buckle, Buckle Up, baby. Episode 15. 15. We're getting better. Smooth. This was, was this the easiest? You tell me. I think it might have been. I set the whole shit up. No, you didn't <laughs> the camera, but. Um, well, yeah, because it's a one-person job and you don't let me help. This is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. It gets harder and harder and harder and then easier, easier and easier and easier. Uh, is that what coming out of the dip feels like? Uh-huh, maybe. We shall see. We got see. a one million follower. That was nice. One million? No, what are we at? 152. 157 <laughs> on Instagram, 58 on YouTube, and 30 on TikTok. Baby. And Twitter, one follower. <laughs> I think it's I think it's your other account. I saw that. I saw Is that it? yesterday. Um, it we, might be. It very well might be. It says New York real estate. I, New York real estate memes. Uh, that's my brother. It's your brother. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Memes. NYC real estate memes. Follow him on Twitter. Um, that's your department, man. You're the wordsmith. I know. Um, I went on it yesterday. I was kind of shocked because you would think Twitter gives everyone who joins, they get them like 10 followers off the bat just to like get them interested, you know? They are. No, they're they're making us really work for it with yeah. with, with just one follower. No, that was sad. That was sad. Do, do you think Twitter is the... Honestly, I don't care about the followers. I, I, prefer, <laughs> to go, I prefer to go deep, not wide. I decided to, um, part of the, my 2022 system, I'm going to tweet once a day at least on my on my MWBR account. Um, maybe I can... Uh, Retweet it to Buckle Up. Buckle Up will have its own brand of tweet too. You'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe my more uh, salacious tweets I'll do from Buckle Up. The, no. the like more uh, <laughs> viewpoints I don't want to be known for publicly. Nice. <laughs> nice. But my tweet today was about, I saw the trailer for the WeWork... Uh, there's a WeWork TV show coming out. Just like about the story of WeWork? Yeah, it's with Jared Leto and um, Sir Jared Leto and uh, and Anne Hathaway. And my first... Um, he looks like a good tech CEO cast. Is oh, yeah, he no, playing he, that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's playing Newman. He does this Israeli accent. He, he looks like he's great, but my first thought was like, this is like, this is pretty like... This is pretty awful. Like a lot. I mean, I know a, a I know a couple of people really well, and I know there were thousands and thousands of people whose lives like really went off track, who were employees of WeWork when all this happened. You were well. So tell that story. You were yeah. in the tech space once upon a time. I was in the tech space. Yeah. Um, How so? Right after college, until like. 2016 really i joined um i was i mean i think i talked about it on another podcast i was kind of planning on doing finance but we graduated during the recession and you really couldn't get a job in finance you couldn't even get a job in marketing because when all the money dried up the first budgets to get cut are marketing so marketing wasn't hiring finance wasn't hiring so what what me and a lot of people who were like also like a lot of people who are much more sort of ambitious and like professional and like um you know like we're, we're gonna have like successful banking careers or successful law careers yeah. um they they whatever a lot of people in 09 
2010, 2010, went into went into tech in New York City because that was basically the only thing to do. There were these small startups with a little bit of funding that were hiring. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people got um, positions that were like much more senior than they would have gotten otherwise. So that's how I got involved. I started a company with a friend um, and then I joined like Thumbtack? an I will vote for art with uh-huh. with Jeremy, who hopefully mm-hmm. we'll have on at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I didn't start that with him. I was well, I was working for him basically, mm-hmm. um, and not getting paid. But mm-hmm. it was it was a great it was a great experience, <laughs> and uh, I became good friends with Jeremy. And and then I started unemployed is a state of mind, <laughs> right? No, I'm doing something. I'm not getting paid, but I'm working. <laughs> I'm working on working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then we I made a website. With a friend and two programmers, and this was before Squarespace. We're like, we made a social network, mm-hmm. which is which is hard to do. Um, and then I then I stopped. Um, anyway, yeah. So I was in that space for um, for a while, and right after the startup I was working for kind of went under, um, I had I, I could have worked for Uber when there were like ten people in the like office, but I was like, I don't want to do customer service. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine. We we had launch. He's like, yeah, I just there's this company called WeWork in the city. They have one building in the city. They're gonna let me run like a floor. I was like, that doesn't sound cool. I don't want to do that. And then and then I sort of like until I went to grad school, I like started writing more and like mm-hmm. becoming more artistic. Are you that bored by this no, by the no. story? No, I was saying you passed on WeWork. That's not. I mean, I, I never got like an official but offer. But people were all paid as they were working there. Right, they were, but so 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 that friend in particular, and I know and other you were people. You at Savored, also, which was an app. I was okay. at Savored. Yeah, it, it was a it was a website, and mm. they ended up having an app. Yeah, it was a it was a really cool idea, um, where uh, restaurants with extra tables at a at a particular time could throw them up on the website for thirty percent off. So mm. Instead of getting zero dollars for that table, you'd get like seventy percent of. And a did bill. Savored go under in the end? No, they, I mean they basically went under. They got bought by Groupon for as much as they had raised, which mm. is like kind of like a, a thank you to the investors. Like we'll pay you back, but breaking, you're kind of worthless. Even, it's yeah. like, okay. Right, like, we're not going to wait for you to go under. We'll just take all of your stuff uh-huh. and give your investors a little bit of money. But you got a good sense of, like, the tech startup culture, not of Silicon Valley, but of the East Coast one, at least. Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually in a really cool place because um, I got to see a lot of people who became really big deals. I got to see them just starting out. But more than that, I got to see sort of the mindset mm-hmm. of, like, how these products, how, like, a good product manager works and how a good CEO and, like, how these, like, people who are really talented tech executives, like, mm-hmm. think. Um, and, and what like, are some of those common things? you? Know? I mean, I mean, I, I knew way before, for instance, like, I don't think when I said Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have like a conscience, he doesn't think morally. Like if you work in tech for even a day, you realize it's about like money mm-hmm. the same way banking is like, mm-hmm. they want to grow their user base and grow their revenue. There, there's not a lot of morality going on in, in these like executive like meetings. Like they don't, they're not talking about right and wrong. Mm-hmm. They're talking about like money. Like any other business, right? Um, but and, that whole the whole the whole mission statement of face bringing people together yeah, to all, connect yeah, the like world all is that just a- complete? It's 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 a way to get ext- really talented people who, if they went off on their own, would be worth millions and millions of dollars by building their own products. It's a way to get them to feel to, like they have purpose to work for you to feel like they have purpose, and then and then they throw on basically it's a social estate. We'll give you laundry mm-hmm. and food. And friends and basically family and you can basically sleep here and this can be your entire life. And instead of like trying something on your own, like not only we're going to extract as much value as we can. And like, how do we do that? By making you feel like you have a purpose. Right. Um, Well, do you think there's megalomania that goes with that level of success or is it the same old thing about the bottom line? The bottom line is the bottom line. No, sure. Yeah, I think I guess I think there is megalomania that goes. But 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 I think that the people who are who are really successful are, are usually very 
sort of like oh they're almost like sociopathic they're mm-hmm. not like they're not egomaniacs like like i mean elon musk is like i think like an aberration i think most people are like just very focused and very driven and very ambitious and very like money centric the same way right. any other industry is elon musk is day by day taking himself off the spectrum i don't know how he does it like getting more relatable <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i mean there's this he's strange you know mm-hmm. but then he starts to tweet and he like got on SNL and he's like, I'm you know the first SNL host to have Aspergers. So did uh, he say that? Yeah, I didn't know that. Is he's he like, open about Aspergers? He he was on SNL. I did not know that. And I think it was sort of a way to provide context for I know I'm the host and it's going to be uncomfortable and go with me because I have Aspergers. So yeah, well whatever. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. <laughs> right. But then he says that and owns it. But then he tweets and his like people generally in in that category, like humor and sarcasm are difficult things from my understanding for people who are on the, you know, Asperger's or autism spectrum. But for him, he tweets well and then he sort of becomes more comfortable with his online presence. Yeah. I've noticed he's like, you know, all this billion, billion of BS. You know, he, he doesn't have patience for people in a certain yeah. way, but I don't know. He's been making what, a lot of good content. I wonder if he has a team. Yeah. But Wouldn't it be crazy so, if he had a writer? <laughs> if he had a writer? It would so not be crazy. No, but some of his stuff is <laughs> off the cuff when he's being interviewed. Well, he probably also has access to his own stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> hey, Elon, what, what, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And he would say... Doesn't sound like me. I, I don't really think of that. <laughs> I, don't have, I, don't, I don't have space or hard drive wherewithal in my own <laughs> mind to think of anything else but what I think about, and that's... Rockets, yeah, space, yeah. So Mars, cars, <laughs> and automobiles. Mars, yeah. Mars, cars, Mars. Um, um, no, right. So he um, he happens to be. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he happens to. No, be. he happens to be a genius, and like Mark Mark Zuckerberg is also a genius. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah. those are few and far between. Like he, they're they're artists. They're I think they're artists really, and like what they're doing. I saw a sad video, like sad music playing TikTok of Elon Musk's, you know, in, interview compilations or just one of his interviews, but with sad music. Yeah, you know, because there's so much like, you know respect of geniuses on tiktok you mm-hmm. know or like the best speech like the, these amazing people and it's like it's like i knew ever since i was young my brain just it's all ideas i can't turn it off i don't think you'd want to be me yeah you wouldn't like it very much <laughs> so. yeah well yeah i think like all artists they're lonely mm-hmm. like he's he lives a lonely existence because there's no one else like him that's 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 interesting yeah it's like we pedestal all these people they're the like the most productive genius members of our society mm-hmm. and it must be so lonely to have no one else like you yeah to be one of a kind is so we, we strive in our culture to be unique right to have our own sets of skills and then if you push that all the way to the extreme it leads to being sad and lonely because you lose all relatability if you're too good. Yeah, and that's I think, interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting paradox. Yeah, right. You, the end game of that isn't being surrounded by loving people and deep relationships with having a lot to do with your money. It's like you just kind of have what you built, and that's probably around it. Is there a sweet spot? Is there a place that we you can strive to get to, but not go past? No. Well, you can't choose to be a genius. You can't choose it. I'm just saying in the ideals that we point to mm-hmm. or that society points to, right. we point to 
Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, these huge overachievers who've done astronomically well and in, made incredible achievements. Do we want to, why aren't we just content benefiting, yeah. benefiting from them right. as opposed to trying to be like I, them? I heard a great interview with Ben Sinclair who made that show High Maintenance and he was being interviewed by Pete Holmes. Do you know, you know Pete Holmes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a full on. <laughs> that was something. I'm, I have Christian <laughs> Camp written all over me. <laughs> Yeah, he's almost gay, but not gay. He, yeah, he. Well, he talks about like he'd rather be in the kitchen gossiping with his mom than like having a catch with yeah, his so dad. Yeah, so he's so like feminine. He's very feminine. But he's straight, right? Yeah, you know. But he's he like, has like a yeah. oh. Well, he he talks about himself as like a ham. He he needs he lo- he needs the attention. He's like he's that like What's a ham. A ham is like someone who who hams it up. Like they're yeah. performing. Like they go over the top. Yes. Yeah, and <laughs> like um. They're they're annoying. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he he knows he's annoying to a lot of people. His self awareness is like his saving grace. Yeah, yeah. About all the things that might exactly, find. He's right. like, I know it too. I annoy myself. Yeah, right. It's it's. I annoy myself. It's fascinating to hear him talk about him at comedy clubs with other comedians and mm-hmm. and having met other comedians. Like you can tell Joe Rogan and him cross paths all the time, and Joe Rogan just doesn't want anything to do with him. Really? Like in a real way? Because Joe Rogan no, no, oh, no, has no, the love for comics too. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Not not in a. Does not, he does he talk about in it a personal way? Mm-hmm. No, no. He he's never. But but Pete Holmes is very much in the Rogan universe. Like he Greg Fitzsimmons wrote on his show. Mm-hmm. He's good friends with a lot of the guests. Mm-hmm. I think he one of his best friends is um is who's the guy that Christian guy that like Jesus freak who goes on Rogan a lot who they dressed up as as uh like in like the coats um you know what I'm talking about he's a Jesus freak comic yeah, he talks like hey Joe <laughs> hey Joe <laughs> Tim Dillon no not Tim <laughs> Dillon um, Joe no <laughs> um. Shit, he, um, you know. Pause. The, have you seen Tim Dillon's impression of Joe Rogan? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, man. Why is it so perfect? It's, it's the so funniest funny. impression. I've, one of the funniest. And and to, I watched a, a clip of it with Tony <laughs> Hinchcliffe. It was like, this is my favorite thing in the He was like, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> and then, no one else. It's one of these impressions that's so good that, because it's not accurate, yeah. but he, accurate. He just did a great one where someone's like, like you know, Joe, um, you know, one of my uh, one of my daughters is severely disabled. He goes, "Oh yeah, man, has she tried uh, ivermectin, man? <laughs> has she tried a vitamin D drip, man? <laughs> oh, you got to get her on vitamin D drip, man. It's, it's so, so it's so over the top that it's it's so good because it's not. Oh yeah, man. So, yeah, I love those impressions. Those, those are my favorite. I kinds. know, I knew they are yours, I, and that's why yeah. I brought it up. <laughs> yeah, man, have you tried? And and they're obviously he's so comfortable enough with Rogan that he makes that he can just poke fun of him. Yeah. He's like, I've been on the show eight times. If I don't go back, ah, whatever, I did it. Okay. <laughs> um, but who's the guy you're thinking of? The Christian um, Jesus freak. He's a comic. You're talking about. He's a comic. So they they did the first episode at Spotify. It was like six hours long. They dre- they had like candlelight and they dressed up in cloaks. I want to say Colin. Um, Colin, but what do you mean by Jesus freak? He's like a religious comic. He, yeah, he's he's like he's like in the he's in like the new age Christian Buddhist Ramdas crew with Pete Holmes. They do panels oh. together. They do retreats together. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe if I saw. Hey him. man, a Benji Epstein, Doctor Benji did an interview with him. You don't remember that whole thing? Mm. I'm not gonna remember. Hey his, man, I'm not gonna remember his I name. But with Joe, he talks like this. Joe, I moved to North Carolina. Joe, <laughs> sounds like he's been smoking for <laughs> like sixty years. Oh, he's a comic. I thought he was a gamer. Is that is he a gamer? No. Yeah, that show's so good. He has like a voice like this. 
Yeah. It's almost like a robot. He's not a key. He plays God. He plays God of Gods of War. Oh, dude, it's so fucking good. Maybe. Is it how he talks? He lived with Joe Rogan for a while. I, I, in the I'm early thinking days. of a guy who's been on the show who talks like this. Yeah. Wow. Might be him. He, like he's it. like You're, a freaking. I don't want to steal your impression. You yeah. had, you did it. <laughs> but if I'm th- he looks like Russell Brand, but not. He's got long hair. I don't think he looks like Russell We're going to have to verify though. this after right. the podcast. But but anyway. Tim, Pete Holmes has been on the show or not? No, he hasn't been on the show. And and you, I, I th- his personality is just, he, he's, he's, not, um, he's not real in the way Joe Rogan's friends are. And he's not like, he's too like calculating in, in a way that Joe Rogan's crew is not. Like he's very calculating about what he says in terms of like politics on the show. Like, um, he, he had a really, really good friend who he talked about all the time. And then this friend got canceled and he never spoke about him again on the podcast, which is like, he, he, he just, he's, he's a degree different than Joe Rogan, but cool enough to be friends with Joe Rogan's friends. You know what I'm saying? I hear that. Is it, that it reminds sense? me a little bit of the Bo, of Bo Burnham. Okay. Only in the sense that maybe they just come from different schools of thought, but there's the Rogan, like circle mm-hmm. of comics who are like, dude. Who are so anti cancel culture and see no value in it. And yeah. then you hear Bo Burnham speak about these things, and he's, I guess, in a younger generation who really has a lot of strong words to say about social media and the value of reflecting on a joke that may be offensive and not just saying, toughen up, everybody, it's a joke. Yeah. He, he takes more of that in, uh, you know, the wokeness and cancel culture and, yes. and c- considers it. And he talks about how, you know, we're, 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 we're on a stage and we're encouraging all these young kids to broadcast their lives. And if they don't have a broadcast show of their own movie, they're worthless. You're not worthless. Right. And, <laughs> and Joe's like, now Bo Burnham's, Bo Burnham's a genius too, but it's a little more of that calculated, constantly thinking, constantly self-doubting, not yeah. so chill. Not, not so chill, right. So he, he I don't know, Pete I don't Holmes, know if they're the same, but Pete Holmes yeah. is in the John Mulaney, Mike Birbiglia universe of mm-hmm. like very polished. Like they have their corporate, like mm-hmm. they get their gigs. He has a show on HBO. He has, yeah. a, he has like, he has a lot to lose by saying the yeah. wrong thing, you know? Yeah, that's pretty good. So he was talking to, uh, his default face. <laughs> it's, it's like, there's also like, it's like cottony, but yeah. he's always like, he always looks like, like a librarian named Sydney or a secretary. Yeah, he looks like. What's he, his name again? He, I'm blanking. Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like. Just one second. <laughs> yeah. But he he is college humor. He's done the bat guy. Th- but yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. like part of uh, the part of the system. Yeah, it's it's very acceptable yeah. stuff. And so he was talking to Ben Sinclair, who made High Maintenance, mm-hmm. who is like the opposite. Like he's like just totally like. Um, I, I think I think he'd be a great Joe Rogan guest. Very very mm-hmm. grounded, and 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 they're having a really cool conversation because mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the rest of the podcast <laughs> as Pete Holmes says. They're having a very cool conversation because Pete Holmes thinks of himself as very like authentic, but then he's talking to someone who's like remarkably authentic, and it's a very cool. You're dynamic. much more authentic than me. I am not yeah. authentic. He does this laugh. Pete Holmes does this laugh that's way over the top that <laughs> can't possibly be real. Um, You're saying he's closer to a Jimmy Fallon than he is a Joe Rogan. Yes. Right. But but on his podcast, he talks very vulnerably. Right. But but at the same time, there's still this space of like of like oh, I just want I want to shake you and like get yeah. you to say something like wrong. Can't. <laughs> um, um, so so he's talking to Ben Sinclair back to this um, thing about geniuses, about finding the safe space between genius and happiness. So Ben Sinclair, the the bald guy, the balding guy from High Maintenance. Um, was interact he crossed paths with Pete Holmes because they both had a show on HBO they both had a half hour show I think on Sunday nights on HBO so they were like colleagues 
and he told the story that um, Pete Holmes is like over the top, so so happy he had his second season of his show, and he was so terrified. Crashing, or? crashing, yeah. yeah. That guy from Crashing. And he was so terrified he wasn't going to get a third season. And then Ben Sinclair walks up to him and he's he and he says to him at this HBO party, he's like, "Yo, man, you're just trying to like make enough money to like quit and go do some other shit, right?" And Pete Holmes is like. Uh, he's like, he's, and then Ben, ben Sinclair's like, if, if you're like, if you want to do this the rest of your life, you have to be a sociopath, right? And, and Pete Holmes is like, um, yeah. Can you, I must have missed something in what you said. What context did this conversation come up in? Not on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. No. So, so they, they were recounting a story together right. that they had and experienced. And why was he asking those questions? What was he getting at? What he was getting at was, um, to be in this business of constantly getting new TV shows, getting paid a ton of money and becoming more and more famous is this very, very weird, unhealthy, borderline sociopathic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Kind of like these tech CEOs. Like, like to make $25, $30 billion is, is insane. Mm-hmm. No one needs that much money and no one needs that much power and success. So, so I'm saying like th- the healthy place seems more like Ben Sinclair and less like Pete Holmes to be like, you make a little bit of money way more than you need to just live really comfortably the rest of your life and then sort of spend your life doing what you want and like building relationships instead of constantly chasing more power and more success and more money and more fame. Well, (laughs) that was a very long winded way to get there. The thing I take issue with in that framing of it is sure. If your reason for doing all this is fame and success and money, then you're going to be in trouble because you can never have enough of that. But if you're, Chasing fame and success and money so that you can do the thing you want to do. Yeah. I always make that point. It's it's really in reverse. In other words, if Pete Holmes wants to Pete Holmes yeah. wants to make sketches and funny shows, I need you know, then you pursue that so that you can do that. But the question is is a false question. No, well I, I, I knew I knew you were gonna say that. I, I think I think what he was sort of getting at was like you start out with that mindset. But once tens of millions of dollars are put on your plates, you 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 very quickly lose track of I'm doing this to in in order in order to, in order to do the thing. Beat? Ben Affleck just verified it on a video I saw today. Oh, <laughs> Ben Affleck says some shit. Him and Matt Damon were talking, and yeah. Matt Matt Damon recounted this time where he's, he said he's he's Matt Damon said Ben, you called me up one time and you said I'm in the worst place imaginable. I can sell magazines, but I can't sell movie tickets. Mm. And Ben Affleck said, yeah, he's like, I thought being famous was a price you had to pay in order to make movies that you wanted to make. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you give up your private life and then you're able to make as many movies you want. He said, I got to a place where I was just famous and couldn't make movies. But, I, and you know, I guess. First of all, you have to do it like him on steroids and anxiety. <laughs> I got to a place. I can't really do it. But when he was interviewed, <sighs> his anxiety. Did you see the. Uh, he can't look at the camera. <sighs> you know. Which is interesting. He's a yeah. director and an actor. He can't look at the camera. Um, He's uh, he got to a place severely so- autistic. I I couldn't understand that. I mean, he made he's made some great movies. But I, this was probably in like the J Lo phase, where is like, that what he was saying he in that was, period? Yeah, yeah. He before was, he proved himself, I think before Gone Baby Gone, mm-hmm. I think he directed Gone Baby Gone. He, he talked on Howard Stern. I saw some clips yeah. that were released about his frustrations with the Academy and him not getting recognition. Right, Argo, I think Argo when he won, I guess. But he's like, and I got snubbed by this, and you know, I did want it. You know, I yeah. wanted it. I wanted yeah. it. Argo, I wanted the, the recognition Argo from my peers, won. and they wouldn't give it to me. Argo won Best Picture and Best Screenplay, and it didn't win Best Director. Right, With that he directed. Yeah, I think yeah, that was the thing. Such is, is so funny. Yeah. But 
and he makes great movies. He's a better director than he's an actor. Right. So, so I think what, what he said is he put aside the fame and the fortune, and he sort of realized I can just make movies. Mm-hmm. I can just direct and write and, and do whatever I want. But, but I, but I do think there. What Ben Ziegler is probably getting at was like there. There's a healthy part of this of like I got to make my show high maintenance mm-hmm. for three seasons. Fuck yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Let me take the twelve million dollars I made. And, and go buy a modest house and just make indie stuff for the rest of my right, life. He's also just, or yeah. you can be like, shit, like I have to make another show now and then another show and a bigger show. Yeah, there, this pressure of also trying to copy yourself or that your success enslaves you in saying, hey, this worked. This is doing well. Mm-hmm. You now have to keep doing this forever. Right. And I do understand that. That's just sort of a process that everyone has to go through when they are fortunate enough to make something that does work. Lahavdil, which is a Hebrew phrase for our non-Jewish listeners of comparison to me, you know, when I've done some videos that do well, mm-hmm. and I've spoken to other content creators too, you get this pressure to say, oh, well, that one did so much better. So you lose sight of what you want to do and feel like you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. Which is like, all right. So I catch myself sometimes when I put up my phone and I'm ready to film something. It's like, okay, what Gary V bit am I doing today? Wait, wait, wait. What Gary V bit am I doing today? Right. What a presumption. It's more like, <laughs> what's funny? Right. So I have to take breaks from doing certain right. things. It just happens to be every single time Gary V is funny. Well, if I think of something funny, I do it. I try, but it, sometimes, yes, I've, yeah. I've, I've been cheap and said, I can't, I can't think of something. I'll do something funny and hopefully it'll work. But I always try to keep myself as centered as possible with what I think is funny. Mm-hmm. And if it happens to be a Gary V post, great. And if it happens to be something else, fine. But I don't want to lose sight of the fact that I'm not on my mission in life is not to be the Gary V parody artist. I love that. It's to do funny things. Yeah. And I try to take breaks so that I can think of other funny things. Yeah. But I have been, I full disclosure, like there have been days where I'm like, all right, let me just throw up one that I know will do better than others. It's tempting. Yeah. But you don't want to do that too much. If you but, do that, you lose sight of yeah. what you like. And that's in the absence of a good idea, also. You know, you're not you're not putting right. aside something. But how do good ideas come? You can't crowd them out with the stuff that just becomes habitual. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. and and that's challenging. But that's why I I I'm also have ideas of like next level stuff and doing more stand up and more podcasting and more yeah. uh, sketches with different people to get different yeah. different things out of different things. What I do is I think to myself, what didn't work last time? Let me do that again. Maybe it'll work this time. Right. Right. And that's also a trap. <laughs> That's also to be subversive to yourself yeah things keep not working you want to know the most fucked up thing yeah so I I finished high maintenance like a a season and I was really into it and I heard that interview and so I texted um, a guy who's producing a producer on this project I'm trying to get made and I said how about Ben Sinclair for like the main role like like I think he'd be I think he'd be good he's the actor or the creator or both both he's a creator and he's the guy from high maintenance Mm -hmm. who delivers weed Um, like I don't know. A lot of people oh, know that's who he is. What high, I know High Maintenance. I oh, just you know what I was talking about? I just remembered what it yeah. was. It's the show, yes. Anyway. Hey, man. He's that yeah. guy, yeah. High Maintenance. High Maintenance, yeah, yeah, that guy. High Maintenance. Um, so, he, so, so I said, what about this guy for the lead role? If we attach him to the project, that'll be good. And the response was, yeah, I think he'd be good, but I don't think he would be able to help us get the project sold. Which means after four seasons of a very, very successful show – a very, very fair amount of fame, even he can't do whatever he wants. Like, he can't just get a show made because he thinks it's interesting, yeah. which, which you is hold, interesting. You, 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 I've seen repeatedly, have held on to these notions of status that, yeah, once you get here, you can just do whatever. Not, I've seen you say that a bunch about... Fair, fair enough, fair you enough. You do have this, still this notion of this hierarchy. It's like, once you get there, it's smooth sailing. Fair enough. I, I sound, it's just is, is not it, true. I know for a fact that Maroon 5 is just as terrified of their record selling as a new band 
Now, granted, they might have more resources and more things, but when they put out something into the world, it can fail like anything else. And same with Jerry Seinfeld talks about when he gets on stage, you have about two, three minutes before yeah. they turn on you. But if you, you know, it, your name can only get you so far. You don't think it's depressing though, after all of that success on a high level, to not to still sort of be waiting to to break in on a certain level. Um, it's not it depressing. Me. It's no? not depressing because it's more like, you know, at the end of the day, the market or the, what what you're trying to achieve, everyone's equal when it comes to ideas in some yeah. way it's not just pedigree aristocracy or you know uh what's what's the word i'm thinking yeah. of credential uh, it's no. not just uh this like tenured o oligarchy i want yeah where it's like well if you're a celebrity we'll do it yeah. i'm sure it happens in some respects but in a lot of respects it's i it makes it about the content yeah. about what you're making about the art yeah. and it puts that before the person who's making I it think and i think right. that's a good thing i want to live in a creative aristocracy where certain people get to do things and certain people just don't so, in all seriousness, I don't want to live in a free market, and I want to be one of those aristocrats. I like aristocrats. the fact that an A-lister is just as nervous about his show going out there as I am about mine, Not because me. it just means good is good. I want to turn on Netflix and just be like, "Is Aziz Ansari just like talking to a friend on the beach for eight hours? He gets to do this? I'm like, yeah, he's Aziz Ansari. We got to watch this. There's until 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 his son, and then his son gets to do the next show because that's how it works. It gets passed on to your heir. <laughs> And Aziz Ansari comes from India, which is the unmentionables and totally based on the, what's the word in, in India what's that they have? have to do with that? Oh, the caste system. Caste system. system. You're, you want a caste system in Hollywood. Yes, and I want to be part of the upper caste. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. what I well, want. Of course you do, Michael. And I want to be part of the unmentionables, making be, my own shit. Wouldn't that be nice? If Fuck to you. <laughs> if, your, if your heir is just like, wait, what are you going to do when you grow up? I don't know. I'll probably have a TV show like my dad. I don't know. I'll, f I'll figure out a TV show. Doesn't work that way. Should. There's a viral clip, or I don't know if it's viral, but I found a great clip of Seinfeld bike biking on the street. Your favorite comic and favorite person, yeah. Seinfeld. Um, somebody approaches him, and it's like a handheld camera. Hey, Jerry Seinfeld, you're Jerry Seinfeld. And he's like the proverbial you, proverbial you in this story. Because <laughs> he said, so what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, what do you mean? What are you doing? He's like, you got to do better than that. Got to do better than that. What are you doing? And he's like, you know, you don't have to do anything. He's like, what does that mean? What does that mean you have to, what are you doing? What, what, what is life about? What are you doing? You're doing nothing with your life? You think I just sit back and do nothing? What does that mean? I, I, I don't have to do anything. Of course I have to do something. I don't have to do something. But then he makes the joke about in his stand-up when he did his, like, uh, his most recent special. He was like, I didn't have to be here. You all wanted to be here. <laughs> no, but he was just saying, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and I think that's fallacious. You don't think he has to do anything. I mean, it means that you basically put life, life's priorities uh, as the material is paramount. That's what I think. It sounds like it. I think it's the power. In other words, <laughs> once you've achieved a certain level of material success, you can just stop living. You can sit back and do nothing, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure why you strive to nothing. Explain that to me. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to do nothing. I think I most people want to do nothing. I don't think that's true. I think when people, it comes down to I it, I think people would rather maybe do nothing to things that they're hating in the moment, but they'd rather better than nothing is something fulfilling. I think a lot of people at the end of the day, when you get to why they want to do this, why they want to do that, like why do you like why do you want to make money so I can do this, so I can do that, so I can do that, at the very end of it comes so I can just do nothing. 
so it can lie down and do nothing. I don't think that's what that's the human that's human nature. Did you see the Peterson Rogan clip? He's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Drink tequilas on the beach all day? Well, I, I'm not saying that would make them happy, but 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 when you get deep into their consciousness, that is what they want. I think maybe a lot of people are consumed with things that they're not enjoying or finding fulfilling that they think their antidote that they're mm-hmm. striving for is nothing. But by nothing, they really mean not this. And because they don't know exactly what else they want to do. I disagree. I, I hear what you're saying, but I disagree. But you said it wouldn't make them happy. It wouldn't make them happy, but I, I think not everyone wants to be happy. happy. Mm. I think a lot of people want to be unhappy. I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm not saying that's the way it should be, but I think there, there are a lot Unhappy's of people. Unhappy is easier than happy. That's why. Uh, sure, yeah. And they don't want to deal with the stresses of. Uh, yeah, but that's what they want. My, you you got to let unhappy people be unhappy. Have you, have you ever tried of course. making an unhappy person happy? It's impossible. Of course. Yeah, it's not. You, you have to just enjoy their unhappiness. Being unhappy is easier. You don't have to contend with anything. You don't have to risk anything. You don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying. I, I think I've definitely experienced that for sure in my life. I, I hope I've grown a little bit. Um, but there are definitely parts of me that, that um, unhealthy parts of me that just want to be unhappy, for sure. All of you don't this. Ha- you never experienced that? All of this from uh, WeWork. From WeWork. <laughs> from WeWork, from, Jared, from Sir Jared Leto. <laughs> um, is there a part of me that just wants to be unhappy? Yeah. No. Why would you want to be unhappy? Because because it's comfortable. People, some people are more comfortable being unhappy than happy. They don't know what to do with being happy. This is a good, deep, deep question because we're talking about if you ask somebody, well, here's the here's the, it's like semantics. If happy was too difficult, then you wouldn't be happy. Well, okay. Ah. So, so 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 gotcha. Com- comfortable is a better word. There, they. People just want to be comfortable. To a ah. lot of people, being comfortable means being unhappy um, and, and doing nothing. So now it's an important distinction. Comfortable doesn't necessarily mean happy because mm-hmm. unhappy is, is uncomfortable. Is, but and, and that's also, comfortable And, and not people. preferable. No. But it's, people aren't it's, willing to necessarily go through what it would take to achieve happiness. And by sure. happiness, I mean real happiness, like fulfillment, because that's a lot of un- discomfort. I agree. And the, the couple, so that's really the, the answer couple, we'd agree with. Yeah. People are content with mediocrity or just being okay, whatever, tolerating, living in sort of that existence. Mm-hmm. It's easier that way. You just have to do what you have to do. And even though, yeah, you could be happier, but unhappy to me, like miserable, lonely, people, nobody would prefer that. You don't know people who Maybe there you're right. are things Look, they could do to become more if you fulfilled said, and they refuse to do here's, it. Here on one hand is, is miserable, unhappy. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand is stressful effort at the pursuit of happiness. And over here is happiness. Mm-hmm. Now over here, probably a myth because most of life is this pursuit. And with, well, with bits well, of happiness, happiness is the road you're walking on. A little bit, but it's like bits of this come into it and then disappear, and it's fleeting. But the pursuit, the process that you're engaged in over time, and those achievements and successes that are bringing you fulfillment as you're doing them are difficult and stressful. But you are getting bits of happiness. You're getting you're feeding well, from this category into that middle section. I don't even think happiness Here, is an end goal. Maybe they don't want to. It's not an end goal. It's it's a it's the process or it, the byproduct, yeah, right. the positive externality of the pursuit. Right. Woo. So I Shit's saw, the, deep. So I saw this trailer for WeWork and I was like, 
all these people who thought, first of all, they thought they were happy. They were working towards this goal. They felt they had purpose. Their, their lives got seriously derailed. They, they were waiting for the company to go public. They, like, had their eyes on a house they were going to buy. Mm-hmm. They had their house on, like, all right, I'll work part-time. We'll get a net. Like, like seriously, like, they had life plans. All in. Yeah. The, it, the, everything went to shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, their lives, I mean, they're fine, but their lives got derailed. And, and, and our only response is, Let's make a TV show and 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 say what happened. Like it's so it's like it's pretty like coarse well, to, to 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 celebrate this story as like a piece of content. It's like well, still they, happening to a lot of people. They made World Trade Center. The that, movie after 9/11? No, well no. And you could argue no, no, no. 9/11 was a little worse than we were going under. We were happened like 2 years ago. It's oh, you mean it's too soon. It's it's it like like they must have started working on this show. A day after the news broke. <laughs> I say World Trade Center, actually, yeah. because it wasn't like a year or two after 9 like 11. When they we were like, World Trade Center, it. we're like, I, this is news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We work is still news, and we're like, oh. it's not only news, it's a piece of intellectual property, and we can make a TV show out of so it. So, your, your issue with it is, like the, is how close it is and the proximity to the actual event of We Were Crashing. Uh, it's like and, still in litigation. And, and how, like, um, like, uh, autis- how, how unaware of. We're using uh, autistic very sloppily. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, aut- I, I like to use the word autistic actually in terms of, like, emotionally unaware. Like, it, like in the Lacks objective sense. Yeah, it, it's sensitivity. Aut- exactly, exactly. It's like, it's like an autistic view of, like, well, this happened, so we should show it. Well, the Fire Festival was also the same issue. <laughs> well, that was a documentary. Oh. Different. I think documentaries are a little bit different. Oh, they feel- I, I, I think I assumed it was, but I guess you're right. It's yeah, it's surreal. yeah, right, right. Yeah, this feels a little bit like guys. We're chill, we're still processing the reality. We don't need to watch the fiction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's and yeah, yeah. Like like wh- why don't we put our like collective energy towards like maybe preventing this from happening again instead of making a TV show out of it. But you would say a documentary would be valuable. Uh, a documentary feels a little bit more like we're going to help you process what happened by giving you a story about it. Uh-huh. The, 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 the news, the documentary feels like news. After, after the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, mm-hmm. there were all these movies about wall street, um, and documentary movies yeah. explaining what happened. Cause people were right. so confused. Like the big short. Yeah. But no, no, the big short's a real movie that came later. Yeah. I'm talking about like right afterwards in the uh-huh. next two years, there was like these you know, detailed documentaries to sort of expose style movies to explain what occurred. And in a way that was useful, Mm -hmm. even if some of it was maybe misguided or who knows where the truth lied, but at least they were exploring what, uh, because there was this hunger and thirst for information Mm -hmm. and making sense of it in that vacuum. But you're just saying a real movie, like a feature film on this is ridiculous. I mean, no, it's a TV, it's a series, a season of TV. It's like 10 hours of TV. Like and, and they're gonna dramatize some WeWork employees' life and dramatize. They're they're probably not gonna dramatize the like venture capitalists who like were kind of at fault here, like because those are the people. Whatever, um, you know. And they're gonna make it into like he's a character. He's not a real person. He's a character, mm. and like um, it's it, all his fault. Also, does it offend you more because of the people who were hurt by WeWork or because it's like bad TV? No, it's 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 probably good TV. Mm. Honestly, I'll, I'll probably really enjoy it. I love that stuff. Mm. I love the I love these like business uh, center shows. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. Oh, what a what a he's oh, a yeah. gem. Gem. He's a treasure. Yes. Um, fifty years old, I think. He looks so good. So good, and a oh, rock star. He decided to become a rock star too. Why not? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Worth it. Worth it. I'm gonna watch. <laughs> We're gonna watch. At Screening party. Two thumbs up. At buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> it's called We Crashed. Um, as Pete Holmes would say, I'm going to watch it. 
<laughs> and then he would go, ha! You can't see it, but you can hear him like leaning back. Yeah, a, a clip of him and Fallon just laughing for an hour <laughs> as, as the whole episode. Have you seen that guy, Joey Molinaro, on TikTok? Oh, mm. this, dude, this dude is so fascinating to me. He's one of the first TikTok people I discovered, Joey Molinaro. He does an amazing Jimmy Fallon impression, mm-hmm. and he does amazing like general impressions. But he did this thing at the beginning of his TikTok career where he, he would um, – like superimpose the Barstool sports logo on all of his videos, which made it seem like Barstool had mm. created it, which they didn't. It is was he the, blonde? Yeah. And so no, he is Barstool. He is. Yeah. So what? <laughs> I think really? it's him, and, and he does stuff with Benedict. I, they do like dads. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's real. They're, I, they're part of Barstool. Are you sure, or I, do you think that because he puts the logo no, no, on? His you band. always think there's a conspiracy. They're both part of Barstool. But Barstool never. They don't share his stuff or have anything to do with him. I'm pretty seems. sure, and he's not, and he doesn't have like a ton of followers. I'm pretty sure that the two of them have an affiliation or association with Barstool. I think so. I think they don't, and Barstool Davka, another good Hebrew word. They specifically Davka don't share him because he did this weird thing where he like co-opted their logo to make um, you think he was Barstool. I've heard Let's, from another source, and I don't remember who that. He's like, yeah, ever since they started working with Barstool, it was him. He goes on Twitter and goes, no, Joey Molinaro is part of Barstool. No, I'm telling you, I think so. But anyway, what's the point? He did this. That he, he does a great Jimmy Fallon impression. Yeah, 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 that's my point. Benedict, the guy he does videos with, um, that guy's great. Great, one face. of the funniest dudes yeah. on TikTok. What else does he Benedict, do? Benedict, I forget his last name, but it's Benedict something. What does he do? <laughs> he does great girl bits where he's like, "It's fall." You know what that means? It's, it's called like "Girls in the Fall." Cinnamon, cinnamon. I, his his face. Cinnamon. <laughs> he does this one of self defense class, but every single time it's, he says, "So here's what you do, right? Someone's coming at you. They put your hand on your thing, but then he just makes out with the dummy." Sorry, I got nervous. Like he's just like, boom, hand here, twist. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I got nervous. Very, very. I, hilarious. I like one their of the small talk bits. They're very funny. He does another one where he's like, interview with the lunch lady. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, show me your arm. And it's like flabby. <laughs> he goes, mm. And then uh, do a walk for me. And she walks like, and, he, and he's playing both characters. He's dressed like a lunch lady. Walk. And it's like, um, what line would you say on a job? I, I'm not doing the bit justice. Yeah. But he goes, beans with that. And then at the end he goes, okay, see you Monday. <laughs> <laughs> It ends right that was a good face. That See you it. Monday. <laughs> so all of that stuff. Yeah, um, I like those guys. Hey, they do um, these dad bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Joey. And, and uh, office uh, small talk. Bits. That's uh, this guy. Hey, this guy. What you drinking? Mojito. <laughs> hey, it's only 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> We'll tag him for those. That's good stuff. Yeah, I would like to find out if if he uh, really about stuff. this barstool thing. Yeah. yeah, obviously not. I mean, we don't use <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I I don't really have a Dave porn like that, but I want to do a bit. I have a bit in mind of a, a spoof on barstool. They're one of the first people that shared barstool shared one of my early videos, and that's that was, right. Yeah. I'm grateful to them. How would that I, happen? Someone one my TikToks got across, you know, came across the barstool TikTok, and they shared it on their Instagram to like seven million people, something crazy, and it was like, wow, thank you guys. So yeah, that was a huge, that was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, there's an early video I've watched it several times with Dave Portnoy yeah. being interviewed before he was Dave Portnoy. It's like early days when he was throwing parties, and it was mm-hmm. like Barstool Sports was just this like guerrilla operation in a little small office, and there was a inside edition on them. Barstool Sports throwing 
you know, it's it, you know, the the man behind the scenes is Dave Portnoy, who throws these parties that he calls blackout parties. He claims it's not about passing out. He's like, yeah. Um, now, and this this like reporter, this woman reporter is like, um, you. He's like, this is a tweet of yours, okay? You say you're not a fan. This is a tweet of yours. She goes, I'm not saying I'm for rape, but if you're a size six and you wear a size zero pants, you maybe deserve to be raped. He's like, I stand by that. It's a good joke. I stand by that. I stand by that comment. It's a good joke. He's like, and then she goes, she goes, do you realize how offensive that is? He goes, no, obviously I don't. <laughs> it's a 15-second clip. I've watched it so much. No, obviously I don't. And everyone's like, this is how to respond to cancel. Like, you know, he's like, I stand by that. That's a good joke. It's like, well, I obviously don't think rape is a good thing. If you're a size, it's just a celebrity. He's like, no, but his response isn't like, it's, it's trying to, not even trying to defend. He goes, no, obviously I don't. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. Obviously not. <laughs> I have an I have a bit where I'm gonna be doing um bars to uh, uh the one by pizza reviews, but mm-hmm. it's gonna be like this. Let me know what you think. <laughs> it's like uh, all right, welcome back to how does it how does it start? Pizza always? review time, Frank. All right, Frank, pizza review time. Okay, but instead of eating the pizza, I'm gonna be fucking the pizza. <laughs> and he turns, he goes, ah, it's burning my cock like hot lava. Ooh, it's a, it's, I'm it's, a crawler, not a shower. But differently this time, we're gonna do one bite. He's like one one thrust. Everybody knows the rules. <laughs> this is a pretty thin crust. Thin crust. I like. I I actually prefer the deep dish. Gets a little. <laughs> not you my favorite. No, not I, my favorite. Obviously, I do. Obviously, I don't. Um, I'm gonna be. Uh, I can't put that on TikTok though, because their community guidelines are all over the place. <sighs> yeah, which sucks. But reels well, let you comedy man. No one can do comedy anymore. That's right. Mark Norman. I watched the first minute of his special and I had to turn it off. I I just couldn't handle it at the time. Too much joke? Too dense? Too, uh, I I guess that's his thing, like kind of like 90s nervous stand up, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't in the mood for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What's interesting about it is, yeah, it's an acquired taste a little bit because he's sort of in on it. But but his, his writing is so good. Yeah. Like the writing. Delivery, it's through, he puts it through that style, yeah. and that is his style. Hey, comedy. Hey, all right, everybody. Thank you very much. I'm Kevin Hart. It, he reminds me of, like, a cousin I would see at, like, Thanksgiving who's, like, not funny and in his 40s and still trying stand-up. Uh-huh. Um, that's the vibe that I from him. That is an insult for Mark Norman. It's an, <laughs> but I mean, I know, I know he's, I know, I think that's a bit. Mm-hmm. The the thing well, is a bit, it. yeah. But um, I just when I was watching, I was like, I can't handle this right now. Yeah, I there's something so unassuming. It's unassuming. At first, I was like, is this guy just trying to do it like safe by saying by being by constantly being so self deprecating? Hey, I'm a loser, can't do it. Uh, sorry, but if you actually like get into it and go get past that, you're like, wow, it's like subversive a little right, bit. Right. He's like, hey, I'm just a hokey guy doing. Right. Bir- I'm, I'm at your birthday party, yeah. but I'm talking about. Pulling out yeah. of your asshole, hey. <laughs> the, the, so, the, the saving grace is he's on Netflix doing a special, so you're like, oh, he's not some guy who can't get it together. Because mm-hmm. he has a special on Netflix, but yeah. but I can't sit through the the unco- discomfort of I that. I understand, right I understand. It it just it's like Catskill comedy, but yeah. but raunchy. It's yeah, okay, dark. So I got I gotta give it a try. Give it a try I again. I'm telling you, because there's something subversive about it. He's not like Oh, anyway, marriage, huh? That's a bummer. But he's saying, huh, marriage, huh? Rush you couldn't, you know, marriage, yeah. huh? Stop cheating on your wife. Had a threesome last night, and I probably gave her AIDS. Oops, AIDS, not good. AIDS, 1980s. You know, and you're yeah. like, <laughs> he's saying morbid stuff. Right. But in this package kind of deal, like, hey, I'm just your friendly neighborhood guy who is a total animal. <laughs> right. Like, you think it's going to be real clean, and it ends up being Correct, filthy. correct. Yeah. And he doesn't even curse to do it that much. There's not much of that, but it's very, like, Dark and morbid, and this guy's out of his mind. <laughs> That's what's good. He has a podcast with Sam Morrill. Do you, do you follow Sam Morrill also? Uh, no, but I know the name. 
also very tight writer. His yeah. stuff is like boom, like like punch, punch, lines, punch, punch, punch lines everywhere. And he's like more like so farting in the elevator. That was funny. Pretty girl got on the elevator. Not funny anymore. <laughs> I got off the elevator. She's stuck in the elevator with my fart. Funny again. <laughs> <laughs> Just as tight as can be. Yeah. No filler words. Talks like this. But they have a podcast together. Uh, and Mark Norman yeah. called We Might Be Drunk. I guess. Uh, we Do they put out Instagram clips? I think so. I don't know. I, the podcast seems to be fairly new. I've been seeing yeah. it on TikTok and YouTube. I actually have become so totally into consuming podcasts as Instagram clips now. It's mm. like a great, it's a pretty great way to do it. Because of what we've been doing? Because I because I go through our feed on Instagram and mm. I just see all these clips. I'm like, why would I listen to an hour and a half of Theo Vaughn, like, <laughs> you know, trying to make conversation? Like, let me just yeah, watch dude. that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I saw a great reel today of uh, <laughs> the thing was my last two brain cells having a conversation. It was Theo Vaughn and someone that looks exactly like Theo Vaughn mm-hmm. just having like a conversation. That was a bit. Somebody somebody made an animation. So it's, no, no, so, no. Someone took the clip, but oh. they put the caption. My last two brain cells oh. having a conversation. And it's two Theo Vaughn different clips <laughs> they, talking. Yeah, one, one person's like, "I am sweating, man," and then Theo Vaughn's like, "I am sweating like a sneeze stuck in a thick bitch right now." <laughs> And the other one's like, I am sweating like, and they're just going back and forth, and yeah. it's so stupid. Theo is one of these also guys building his empire, and his comedy is very unique, and he's like, yeah, dude. He's very sweet. My cousin got bit by a gay guy. So, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's just from a unique mind. My cousin got bit by a gay guy. That's that's the promo for a special, so, very you funny. know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> And he's like, I think he talks. There's a clip also of him talking to Donnell Rawlings. I think his name. Yeah. You got to What did you? Did I send that to you? <laughs> I think it's one of the uh, best conversations on race I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Because it's so honest and so funny. About mental health. Mental everything. He was asking about black people, and <laughs> and he's just asking these questions from this southern hillbilly perspective. Right. And he talks about he talks about his Theo Von talks about his racism, but not in the way. The woke says every white person has racism in them. And he's not like admitting to it. He's like, you know, in the way that everybody just grows up in their own little bubbles of prejudice, he's like, yeah, I think, I don't think I'm racist. You know, he's yeah. like, he, but it was just he, honest. He's an example of someone, like we were talking about last week, who might be right affiliated, but mm. deeply cares about other humans. Oh. Like very sweet, very doesn't, sensitive. He, but he doesn't strike me as political at all. No, no, but I, th- I think if you saw him, you'd, I'm sure he's been called an alt right comic. Theo Vaughn? Really? No. Cause he's super like we, you know, we have to make edgy jokes yeah, and not hold back. Gang, gang. <laughs> anyway, oh, whatever. No. So, what do you say with Donnell Rawlings? I mean, there's so much, and I can't even, re- I can't recap it in the way because the questions are only, only he can ask it in the charming, innocent. There's such an innocence to his questions. Yeah. And well, Donnell Rawlings was talking about. It, he's like, you know, I mean, like difference between black people and white people. You know, black people have just different, different words. You know, you guys have a vocabulary for like mental, like, like, like. Mental health, right? You guys will say, you know, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, you know, I'm feeling obsessive compulsive and I need to go see someone, you know, and I'll take medication because my anxiety is out of control and I'm, I'm feeling, you know, real depressed. And a black person will say, you okay, man? He'll be like, yeah, I'm just all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's just like, that's how we treat mental health. Yeah, I'm just all fucked. EDF, just fucked up. Or I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. Nah, I'm just all fucked up. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's... That, that, you know, gang, and just like other questions yeah. about, you know, what it's like to grow up in the black community versus the white community and how, you know, that, that experience that yeah. he talks about it, not knowing that much about, or maybe he did or, um, you know, I don't really know, but it's a, it's a clip of a full length podcast they're talking about, yeah. but this clip is so good. And I recommend that anyone will try to 
Maybe we'll put a link in it in the description. Maybe. Because yeah. we say we'll do. Maybe I'll do it. But that's Dardell. Dardell's a really funny guy. You know, he talks like this. I've only heard him on... I've only seen him on Chappelle's show. I don't really know his uh, his work. Yeah. Yeah, people say that he's the... I've heard, like, Dalia, and people say... Maybe it was on Rogan or something. But they've said that of all the people they don't want to follow, it's Donald Donald Rawlings comes in as the number one person oh, I yeah. never want to follow. I think it's done. I feel like him and Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz has a line once where he's like, I was getting by on my energy, not on my jokes. I feel like he might be so, like, he's just funny to be around. Yeah. You know, the room just cracks. He's a fucking animal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You put my (laughs) thought. Hey, you tell me something, Joe Rogan. Before you smoked weed, he was a weird, he was, he was something. (laughs) It's so hard to do a Joey Diaz. Because it's so deep. Cocksucker, I'm in. I'm in. You do cocaine, I'm in. You need to have something. Uncle Joe is here. It's good. It's getting there. Yeah, I think you got to put on a couple pounds. Uh, yeah, to get the, you got to get the the jiggly. I did like a, I did a bit that I, I posted of uh, Joey Diaz reading children's. Yeah, stories. like that. Down came the rain and washed the fucking spider out. Joe Rogan, you listen, to Joe Rogan. Uh, I put him in the fucking trunk. Did an eight ball. You know those guys who do an eight balls in the eighties, nineties, and fuck the shit we did, the shit we've been through together. You really went into like a flow state there. I saw it in your eyes. You know that shit we've been through. And he's like, they try to cancel me. You think cancel culture scales me? They don't know that I've been to. They don't know that I put someone. He's like a bad joke. You think I told? You think I told a racist joke? They don't know that I put someone in the trunk. I put someone in the trunk of my car. You think I'm scared of some bad words? I put someone in the trunk of my fucking car in 1997. Joe Rogan, Tom Tom Segura, Michael Weber. You listen to me, Michael Weber. <laughs> That's gonna wreck my voice. Yeah. Ah, um, oh. is that it for this week? Uh, any final thoughts for the closing of episode 15? I, I have two thoughts. Yeah. I want. I want to get this recorded. So we so we have we have this proof of this. Mm. I think within the year, mm. um, most, predictions, predictions. Most Americans, I think within a year, Fauci will be blamed for the pandemic and the response, and he's going to go from hero to 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 scapegoat for everything that went wrong. I think a year from now, Fauci's reputation is going to be vastly different than it is today. Legitimately or illegitimately, um, blamed. Does, doesn't matter. I mean, I think I, Tim Zillin had a great line. He said, he said, um, he said, I think the, I, 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 oh, no, I think he, he said, he says like, I think Fauci responded to the pandemic very poorly, but I think the way he started the pandemic was fantastic. But the way he kept it going or the way he started, the, the way he started, it was fantastic. <laughs> Whatever, I think... It was um, a tweet, right? It was a tweet. I heard him say it. Okay, I, I saw a tweet, it, too. Yeah. And it was like, but him starting it, that it was great. He did a great job Wouldn't starting it. Wouldn't that be it. so cinematic if he was, like, locked up in no, the so, end? So, uh, so I man. think what's going to happen is most, is most Americans are, are sick of this. Mm-hmm. And, and because Biden has gone so full in on, I'm going to fix the pandemic... He, he can't just say, well, the pandemic's not important anymore. Let's just move on. What he's going to say is like, is, you know, you, you all sort of pushed me into this corner. And like, he, he's, the, the blame has to shift somewhere. The, the, the whole narrative has to shift somewhere. Because everyone's sick of what's going on. Everyone's sick Where of it. Where does it go? I, I, I think it goes to Fauci. Um, you tried to cover this up. You, you, all the CDC, you're all giving us bad guidance and, and misguided and everything was all bad. And like, mm. we just need to put all that behind us and just deal with this reasonably and move forward. But like, we need to like first lock up that attitude of like, of like lockdown mm-hmm. into a box, which is Fauci mm-hmm. and then move on together. I think, I think, I he think has to how, go, he has to go down with that ship. Yeah, I think so. And so what you have to understand 
is it's a variety of factors. <laughs> Do you still stand by? I never supported gain of function. <laughs> <laughs> Research. He's going to kill himself in jail. He's going to give himself. <laughs> he's going to give himself. A, <laughs> he's gonna, <laughs> holding a, a vial of COVID just like. <laughs> and the end video. Remember the end of 12 Monkeys? When he goes, it's even airborne. Nobody even knows. Did you see 12 Monkeys? I didn't see it. Oh, no. there's a scene at the end where the, the, you, you find the guy. Who's, it's like this. Um, but Fauci's going to get vaccinated 10 times in a row. Just, no, they're going to. That's it. The, the public, <laughs> the public um, execution will be a bunch of. Like vaccine shot at him. I feel boosted. Myocarditis. Ain't that a booster? That's the final line. And it'll be Rogan who does it with Rogan with a bow and arrow. Oh, that's a booster. A great end to this funny rom com. Now that's a booster. And then they're going to tie his feet to a horse And the horse is going to run through town <laughs> Oh my god Whatever, that's my first one my second. And then Rand Paul is like, how's that for gain of function? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that, that's my prediction And my second one is Brett Weinstein's like, I told you so <laughs> all, these, all these hokey lines no, Brett Weinstein's going to get a show on CNN after that And then they're going to have a freeze frame Tim Dillon's going to get the Tonight Show Gonna, Does Joe Rogan have to like be the the fallen hero? He's he's, he's gonna take Fauci's job. He's gonna be head of science for America. Or is he like the tragic figure who dies at the end of this movie? Rogan like, stopping oh, Fauci. Oh, oh. Uh, right, right, right. You know, but he's like Joe. There's one in your leg, and he looks at him. There's a vaccine, and he's like, he goes. <gasps> and then it's Tim. It's Tim Dillon over Joe Rogan. I love this scene. Listen, Joe, don't do this. Please, we need you. <laughs> ah, fuck it, we don't. Ben, let's take over. And he hosts the new biggest podcast. It, 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 no. Tim Dillon takes over for the Joe. Welcome back to the Tim Dillon experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then after the credits, you see Joe, like, with his last bit of strength, slip some ivermectin into his mouth. <laughs> and, then and, the, and then it ends. So maybe he's alive. <laughs> his hand pops up or something. <laughs> we have to do this. Can you imagine a feature film based on reality right happening in real time? Yeah. But, but, but so, like, Tim Dillon is, like, the good guy and the bad guy who takes over for the Joe Rogan face. Welcome back to the Tim Dillon. He's wanted it the whole time because he's soulless. Yeah. Jamie, Amor. get it up there. <laughs> Jamie, you're my fucking slave. <laughs> oh my god that is a we just ended this podcast on one of the best pitches for a movie ever yeah give us a what call we, uh, Ben Shapiro <laughs> to produce it produced yeah. by the Daily Wire <laughs> um, oh, uh, my, and my second call was um, if I buy this Nelk Boys NFT after mm -hmm. this and it goes up I'm never doing a thing again <laughs> I'm just done I'm doing nothing striving to nothing that's Michael Weber ladies and gentlemen this is Buckle Up episode 15 with Mike and Ami Good to be here with you, Mike. This was fun. This was fun. Here's to nothing. I'm in. I'm in. Look at that.